This is the Real Estate Investing for Freedom podcast, where we bring on the experts to teach you the golden nuggets of real estate investing so you can escape the rat race and start living life on your terms. Now, here's your host, Dalen Hazel. Hey guys, buckle up for another episode of the Real Estate Investing for Freedom podcast. If you are someone that is looking to leave their job today, next year, next month, whatever, if it's even been on your mind, you're going to want to give this episode a listen because me and Jason Perro, my guest, are going to break down how to leave your job fast with real estate investing. We're not waiting 15, 20, 30 years to do this. We're doing this quickly and we're doing it strategically with real estate investing. So you're going to want to listen to this one if you're into that. But before all that, of course, you know, it's the golden nugget of the day. Today's golden nugget is if you're a wholesaler or a flipper in your area and you're looking for deals, make sure you're looking on your county record or your county assessor website for people who are going through difficult times. So let me phrase it differently. You are going to be looking for people who are going through divorce, eviction, foreclosure, and in addition to sites like PropStream.com, you can also find this on your local county website. And a lot of the times, this can be more fresh, up-to-date data. So if you're looking to niche down in your marketing and really hone in on who is going through the most distress or who has the highest likelihood to sell at a discount, make sure you're scraping your county records for this. Another thing that comes to mind, things that you can look for are like power of attorney records, um, mechanics lien, federal tax liens. All of these can actually be found for the most part on your county website. Now, each county is different, so you want to get acclimated with your county's website, but this can be a treasure trove of marketing material and people to market to, and it's all free, of course. And you can pay a VA, a virtual assistant, you know, five or six dollars an hour to go ahead and scrape these county websites and get that data for you in an Excel file so you can send it off to your marketing. But that can be a great resource for you if you're looking to really niche down in your marketing and level up your game plan there. So with that being said, I'm going to introduce Jason Perro. He is today's guest. And Jason was born and raised in Erie, Pennsylvania. And he got into the medical device sales industry, but he quickly learned that wasn't for him. So in 2012, he was able to actually leave his job with all the passive income he was earning. And he has grown his portfolio with his partners to 900 units. He is the president of a local landlord apartment association. And he is a frequent guest on podcast. And he also speaks at real estate investor conferences. He's got a lot to share, guys. And I think you're going to really connect with him and love what he has to say. So with that being said, here's episode 13 of the Real Estate Investing for Freedom podcast. Welcome to the show, Jason. How are you doing today? Great, Dalen. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it and look forward to chatting today. Yeah, Jason. Uh, thanks for being here. Can you give the listeners a short introduction about yourself and how you got started in real estate investing? Sure. Jason Perro, I'm um, 44, so I'll give away my age, but I, I've been investing in real estate for 20 years. So when I was 24, my wife and I bought our first rental property in Erie, PA. I worked full-time jobs for a while. She left hers in 2010, left mine in 2012, been full-time real estate for a little while now, but left those corporate gigs, never really looked back or at least looked back and don't regret leaving. But yeah, based in Northwestern Pennsylvania, invest in Erie, Cleveland, uh, we branched out into Texas and some other states, but yeah, do a little bit of everything from small properties, large properties, syndications. My wife and I own uh, quite a number of properties ourselves with no partners. Then we have a number of JV and syndication deals that we've put together as well. Wow. Yeah. You're uh, 20 years ahead of me. So like right at the age I am, you were getting started. So I, and that's why I love this dialogue is I can learn from people like you who are so far ahead, but I can be inspired by. So thank you for being here. So you talked about how you got started in the medical device and sales. Uh, I'm just curious, like, did that full-time day job kind of help you in real estate or was it completely unrelated? Didn't help you at all? Well, I'll see a couple of things. I mean, I started in pharmaceutical sales. I did that for a few years and I was drawn to real estate 
first, basically because of the money and the freedom. I'm like, oh man, I, this is a path to wealth. And I, I didn't grow up with money. I didn't really grow up without it, but you know, we weren't rich, weren't poor, but I never learned anything about money. And, and I always, I, I worked multiple jobs since I was a kid. So when I kind of learned about building wealth and, and things like that, I really wanted to just buy a property or two a year, you know, and I couldn't fathom, had no inkling of where we'd be, that we'd be where we're at right now. But what helped me, you know, was, was a lot of things. So, you know, we transitioned in from pharmaceutical to medical device sales. And I was working for a company in, I think it was like 06 through 08. I was working for this one particular company. And that's when I got really turned on to personal development and mindset. And so I started being able to think bigger and just started, you know, learning the art of journaling and reading, you know, reading personal development books and working on myself. And that was like really part of the culture at that company. So that helped me, which the outlet for that was real estate. So for a long time, it was very linear. I mean, the jobs helped my wife and I in terms of, she worked pharmaceutical sales as well, but we would live on one person's salary and invest the other person's salary. So we're young and our friends are, you know, we're all getting started making good money and friends are, you know, taking great vacations, buying nice houses, you know, nice cars. And we were like, you know what, let's just pummel everything we can away to building this business. And we did that for a really long time so that as time went on, we could do the nice things. I mean, you know, we have nice stuff and we enjoy a really great life and lifestyle right now. But, you know, we sacrificed early on and the high income and we had company cars or car allowances and we had great benefits. And, and so that money, you know, we would get bonus money monthly, quarterly, we'd take that bonus, we'd save it up and put it in a savings account. And, and we did it the old fashioned way, just save up a down payment, buy a rental property, do it again, you know, once we had enough money and um, we'd be working for that one company and being turned on to, to sort of, you know, personal development and the idea of, you know, working just as hard on yourself as you do at your job, that kind of going down that path and starting that journey, that's really what changed me and helped me think in exponential terms and think bigger and do bigger things. So it really did help me. And, and then some of the just business disciplines of setting a strategic plan and being able to set a marketing plan or a sales plan and just thinking the way that corporate America thinks and being able to apply not all of it, but some of those core principles of what makes a successful organization, just applying that in whatever way I could to my own business. So, so absolutely helped me in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think a lot of companies do that. They really try to invest in their employees and they take them to seminars or hold events that are about personal development. I think that's great. And it certainly paid off for you because you were able to easily transfer that to your real estate investing business. So you talked about how you manage your finances in the full-time job, but how did you manage your time? Like, How did you balance work, family, friends, and build this incredible business now that you have at the same time? Well, I will say like work-life balance was not really didn't exist too much. I mean, it was now early on. I mean, it was my wife and I, and we hadn't had kids. So the first few years we were working hard at our jobs, starting our careers and definitely became the habit of, you know, nights and weekends we're on in front of our computers or laptops and we're, you know, we're working on our day job and, you know, I'm reading investing books and, and things like that. But one of the benefits in sales, especially as I got into medical devices, there was a lot of windshield time. So I would, you know, I would be up in the morning, driving to so a medical device, you know, we worked in the operating rooms with surgeons. So we, we, you know, they'd use our devices in surgery and, you know, we'd have to be there to typically consult with them and the nursing staff to make sure the products were use, being used properly and, and things like that. And so I could be out of the house really early. I'd pop in a personal development audio book, or I, as we were growing, I'd talk to my property manager. Uh, she was an early riser. So we would talk and start the day at 6am. So I'd be on the road and, and we'd talk through things, get updates, um, I'd be in between. So maybe I'd drive from Erie to Buffalo, which was an hour and a half drive, but then I'd have to drive from Buffalo, New York to Rochester, New York, which was another hour. So I'd have an hour behind the wheel. So I'm talking to my employees or I'm talking to a, a realtor or a broker, talking to my lender. And so I used a lot of that downtime. Um, and then even between, uh, you know, I, I'd say I'd be a day in the operating room with, with surgeons. I mean, there could sometimes be a few hours of downtime. So I'd get my work done for my job and then I would, um, then I'd focus on real estate. So it wasn't as though I came home and had to work another eight hours on the real estate business. There was a lot of in-between time and downtime that I was able to uh, work on the side business during the normal business hours. Yeah, that's definitely a unique advantage. So how, how would you encourage somebody who doesn't have that type of job? Maybe they work in a hospital setting where they're on their feet for 12 hours a day. Like, 
I, I don't believe we should make excuses, but it is probably easier for some folks to build their real estate investing business. Does that person with a more strict schedule just have to be better at delegating? What tips would you give for that person? Well, yeah, I mean, yes, yes, they have to be better at delegating for sure. And, um, but also when you're building a business, like there, there's sacrifice, you know, there's going to be times that you have to spend away from your family or your friends or saying no to social events and things like that. And it doesn't mean you have to be a hermit and that you have to completely isolate yourself and dive in a hundred hours a week into real estate. But, you know, do you get up a little earlier on a Saturday morning to, you know, to listen to a, a webinar or do you, do you go and, and hit a conference? I mean, you can do too much. I mean, you still have to live a balanced life. I mean, sometimes things will be out of balance to a certain degree, but you know, so you still have to take care of your relationships and your friendships. And, and, and I think that was a mistake we made early on is that, you know, we did go so heavy into certain things. It has paid off, right? Like it worked out for me, but I feel like I didn't have to be as obsessive about it. And it probably could have just achieved equal or even greater, you know, a greater rewards or success along the way. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe you're tied to your job for 10, 10 you know, eight, 10, 12 hours a day. Um, but you still have all this extra time, right? So you, you, you know, maybe you forego happy hour or you forego, you know, something else and, and become more efficient with your time. So you just have to learn how to be efficient and it doesn't take, uh, I mean, some people could say, oh, I spend 20 hours a week on my real estate investing career on top of my day job, but is that really the highest and best use of your time? You know, so maybe instead of reading when you get home, maybe you're going to listen to audiobooks while you're at the gym or while you're in between your commute. And, and so I think that, you just have to learn how to manage your time effectively. And, and there is going to be sacrifice. So it's not like, Hey, I, I, I'm, you know, I don't think you have to put in 40 extra hours a week at this. Um, but you have to put a little bit of time just learning, you know, maybe, maybe getting a coach, getting a mentor, joining different groups. So th there's going to be this like secondary side hustle career, but don't sacrifice everything. Just sacrifice enough that you can kind of create that vision and, and create a plan to, you know, whatever it is, whether it's just creating more wealth, more income, or if it's to completely leave your day job. Yeah, I would say, you know, add to that as good points. Um, if you're trying to go full-time entrepreneur, you have to learn like what to prioritize. Make sure no minute is wasted from your day. Learn to like those things that push your business forward. Like sure. turn your passion into productive things. So instead of watching, you know, entertainment, watch entertaining educational content, or just always like trying to shift your focus from consuming to producing. Because if you are working a full-time job, your time is very limited. So I'm curious, when you finally left your job, what did the typical day look like? I'm sure you weren't just lying on the beach that next day, uh, right? The next day I was actually like, oh, me, were you? Uh, my, my, I had my last day of work and, and my wife and I took a vacation just to kind of unwind. And like, um, and, and, but it was really odd, you know, when I, when I, I was sort of directionless, I mean, everybody thinks it's going to be this glorious thing when you leave, leave your day job. So get home from this, this, you know, planned vacation, you know, we had a planned exit and said, okay, you know, I'm going to be full-time real estate, but I wasn't used to working for myself. I mean, I was used to building this business, but I feel like it took many years to finally get good at hiring and firing employees and setting a company culture and, you know, and really being everything from payroll to budgeting and like running an actual company. So it's not as though all of my investments are passive. I mean, they could be, I mean, I could just sit back and let other people run the business, but so it was an adjustment and that took several years. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you go through trial and error periods where you're just trying to figure it out, but I don't, I wouldn't trade any of it for anything. I mean, you, then you, you make mistakes and, and you say, okay, well, I'm not going to do that again, or uh, here's a better way to do it. And so so I've learned to enjoy not repeating mistakes and I've you know learned that it's okay to make mistakes and figure out a better way. So yeah, there was no typical day. I mean, now if you fast forward to now, what, what it looks like, I mean, now I do what I want when I want. And so I think that that would have been something I could have done better. I thought I had it designed really well when I left the day job, but it's more of an, a mental and emotional adjustment. You know, you, you're used to going and moving and at a high pressure, high uh, demand job and, and, leaving that, I'm like, okay, well, well, now what? You know, I had to learn how to create that on my own. And we've been able to amp that up over the years and, and, and sort of really growing at, at a much more rapid pace now and, 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 you know, firing on all cylinders. But, and now, you know, I, I mean, I've always sort of wanted to take my kids to school, pick them up from school. So I make sure that's built into my day. Um, I make sure exercise 
And so I try to make sure I have time at the gym at least five days a week. You know, and I have partner calls and, and, and employee meetings and investor meetings. And we talked about it before we hit record, but I just got back from a three-week road trip with my family. And, you know, I didn't completely shut down the business, but I was able to set it up in a way that, hey, I can go and enjoy time with, with my loved ones. Yet when I come back, you know, here I am back engaged into in, into work and creating. To me, it wasn't just about not working. It was just about working on my own terms. And so I enjoy the production of being an entrepreneur and, and the, the the benefits that comes with that. But just not doing anything gets really boring. So I like that, you know, chasing a deal, working a deal, running the business and, and you know, impacting people's lives, you know, customers' lives and employees' lives. You know, it's super gratifying. So so I continue to work at that and and but just not trying to work as much as I did 10 years ago or 15 years ago when I was working at a day job. Exactly. And that's something that about entrepreneurship, I don't think people talk about. It's like when you allow a human being to fit their, you know, ideal role in life, they're not held down by a job description or a salary or I need to be in this role. Like that's their true self and they're going to produce at the highest level in that role. So that's the benefit of getting out of like a specific job description or a degree that you feel like you have to get. Um, that's a unique spin on entrepreneurship that I just realized. So how can someone push past the fear of quitting their job or yeah. maybe not even real estate related, like just the fear of like having another child or, um, yeah. like going on this trip or starting a business? How to, how did you push past that fear? Um, well, it was hard. I mean, I, I know, when we had our first child, I was afraid, you know, we wanted to have a certain dollar amount in the bank and want to do different things. And so I, I lived from a place of fear for a long time. And even quitting the day job, I, I knew early on, I wanted to leave, ultimately leave my day job. And I looked back and said, I could have just like flipped houses and, and quit my job. And, and, you know, I made really good money, but could have made more. And, and I think, you know, I was just afraid, you know, it was very, very much, you know, in this bubble. And, and so, and afraid, you know, and I felt I was doing great things and, you know, proud of what we did and probably more than what the average person would do. But I think what's really impacted me over the years and overcoming fear was joining various masterminds, just making friends with people outside of your own, like kind of home base. And so I know it's said a lot, you know, where people say, you know, you're the, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, but I'm still friends and close friends with the guys I grew up with. I mean, we hang out, we go to bocce, play bocce every Monday night. And then in the winter we get together, but those are my buddies. Those are my homeboys, but they're not my, like, you know, we don't talk business. And so I need, you know, you need that connection in, in this entrepreneurial world, this real estate world, business world, whatever it is. And so finding that peer group and finding people that you can talk to that are in various stages of your journey. So finding maybe people that you can mentor, because that's going to push you along because people are looking up to you, but also find those people that are a few steps ahead of where you're, where you're at and in getting uncomfortable. So, you know, I found that I was drawn to things that made me nervous or, or afraid. I mean, I, no joke. I used to be afraid of like, I was deathly afraid of even like speaking in front of a group of like five or six people, like coworkers. I mean, I would get so nervous and like, I couldn't eat for the entire day until that would be done. I would be, I mean, my nerves would, would kill me. But I kept seeking out those opportunities and, you know, fast forward to now. And I, I've, I've spoken in, you know, in front of groups of a few hundred people, several hundred people, and, and the nerves, they're non-existent anymore. I just knew that that's going to help me grow. And it was terrifying, man. I mean, the first time I was on stage at an event, I mean, I, I swear to God, I thought I was going to run off stage. I was like plotting my exit from the stage. I was so afraid, so uncomfortable, but I knew that like those types of things force you to grow. And so I started seeking out like on the other side of that pain and that, that uncomfortableness is growth. And, and out of that growth, like so much more can happen. So you become confident in yourself, you let go of fear. So I think you have to do these things that scare you and, and really force yourself to get uncomfortable. But part of that and, and that your safety net is maybe like that peer group and those masterminds or those, you know, if you can't afford to join a high price mastermind, just find guys and gals that are local to you or maybe an online group that you can chat with once a month twice a month, whatever it is. And you'll see other people doing things and that inspire you. And, and you'll hear something that just phrased in a certain way that challenges you to get off your butt and, and take that next step. So I think like having like your board of directors or your, your go-to people that you can rely on to talk about those day-to-day -day struggles, but 
also try to put yourself in situations that can force you to, to get uncomfortable. You don't have to take some big, massive, crazy action. Like, you know, if you're afraid of public speaking, don't get up in front of a group of hundreds of people, you know, start with the six people, you know, five, five or six people that terrify you and then work your way up. And then, you know, and then those things become easier and easier. And, and some of it's just time and space, you know, you get more confident in yourself and more comfortable and you get experience doing these things, you, you know, it's, it's baby steps, you know? And so if somebody, if their goal is to leave a day job, you know, don't go quit your job tomorrow. That that's, I mean, you could, I mean, that's really bold, but you know, you could do something like take a side hustle, you know, do a consulting thing or, or you buy your first rental property or your second rental property and take baby steps because a lot of it is a process. You want, you know, you want to start with the end in mind and say, okay, Hey, I want X amount of dollars in the bank. And I want to have, you know, these experiences and, and do these things and build wealth and leave my day job. But, but it all starts with one step. So you think big, but act small, just take those small baby steps to, to get over those big hurdles of fear. Yeah. You mentioned so many good things there. I, I want to highlight the the mentorship thing because the mentorship has absolutely rocked my business just to give people an insight. I won't mention the exact mentorship, but it, it's got about 280 members and just, there's like an aura. There's just a, uh, something about that group and getting around people like that. I mean, there's, we use a program called Slack to put our uh, victories and you just scroll through people's victories and it's so inspiring and you get around people like that. And I like to think like I have three minute friends, you know, friends I can only talk to at three minutes at a time. Otherwise they start to influence me. Then I have three hour, then I have like three days friends who I could spend three days with and not care. Um, so like, Choosing your friends wisely is key to success in this business for sure. And having like a lot of friends, like I'm, I hope to gain you as a friend because of this podcast and just, we can follow up with each other, challenge each other and grow together. Absolutely. Um, so explain the mindset shift behind being a full-time entrepreneur. It's much different than being a full-time employee. <laughs> explain right. the mindset shifts that you had to take on to fill that new role. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many. I mean, one thing would be you have to take complete ownership of every aspect of your life. You know, when you're relying on someone else's uh, business to pay your paycheck, you know, you can show up and just do the bare minimum. You know, you can show up and just check the boxes that you're expected to check and you know, you're going to get a paycheck every week or every other week or whatever it is. Um, but I worked in sales, you know, and sales teaches you a few things that you have to produce to get paid or, or you won't have a job. Um, and so the mindset was really shifting into an ownership and just taking extreme ownership of everything. Like if, if an employee doesn't follow directions, I'm like, well, that's my, that's my fault for not explaining it clear enough or hiring wrong or whatever it is, right? If you own the business or, or, you know, even if you're a solopreneur, I mean, you own the outcomes of your, of your business. And so, you know, if your rent revenue is not where you expect it to be at the end of the year, you can blame your tenants not paying. But really that's on you for not, you know, not evicting quick enough, not setting the right tone with your tenant, whatever it is. So if you own every problem and see, see those problems as, as opportunities and see challenges as areas to grow, I mean, that was really, I was kind of on that path a little bit from, you know, the initial exposure to personal development, but really then when you're in it day to day owning the business, I mean, that mindset of like, I just own every problem. And, and, you know, I think, you know, Jim Rohn, he was, you know, one of the great, personal development gurus, you know, he passed away, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, but I would listen to his audio books and his, his programs when I was in sales. And it just really impacted me. And I thought about this the other day was that you never complain when your harvest is small and you never should brag when you have great success. And so for me, that was, I think early on, you want to tell the world about your success. And, and to be clear, I'm not knocking anybody, you know, putting up their successes on social media. I mean, that's, that's fine. It's not for me. But it's because I, I just sort of took this philosophy, like, I'm going to deal with the stuff that gets thrown my way. I'll take ownership of it. And when times are good, I'm not going to gloat. I'm just going to keep going about my business and just keep trying to plant seeds. So I'm always reaping a good harvest. And and so um, that was really like, like to have a sustainable business and, and be able to grow. Like I knew that I had to constantly grow and I constantly had to try and iterate my business and just have this continual path of, of, of growing in a positive direction you know, and that, um, just shifting those things. And even if look, and it may not be fair to take ownership of everything. Sometimes there's outside forces, like, you know, people 
you know, uh, maybe an internet troll wants to attack you or your business, or there's like some employee who went rogue and like really screwed things up, but it's far easier and a better way to live, in my opinion, to own those problems and take responsibility for those, even if you have nothing to do with them, because I just feel like you live a much clearer path when you take that approach. Yeah. Ownership is very important. I had a scenario this morning where um, a seller called in um, because I I do some off market uh, marketing. A seller called in wanting to sell their house. And, um, you know, the, the, the agent receiving the call just totally blew it. Like uh, they really didn't build any rapport. They were just kind of short with the seller. And at the end of the call, the seller was frustrated and wished he didn't even, you know, call in. So I kind of reached back out and I apologized. I nurtured the, the client and it doesn't mean I do it perfectly all the time, but being a business owner has made me realize like I have to now take ownership for this. I have to apologize first, even when I didn't directly do the act that was wrong. I have that's to, totally right? I mean, that's something that yes. you're, it, it's a total shift in mindset where you're like, yeah, I don't, because the tendency, you know, you could have just called up and said, what's, what's your problem, man? Why are you, why are you pissed off? Yeah. That's not going to get anywhere. Right. And so you have to, you know, live with empathy and, and own the problems. And, and look, I mean, so did you, did you get the contract or is it moving forward? Absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're moving forward to where I, I can now, I'm, I'm going to be uh, at an appointment with that seller and, and hopefully get the deal. But Ooh. if I would have just kind of backed off and say, Oh, he's mad or he's not interested anymore, I would have potentially lost a sale. So yeah. I think sellers uh, in real estate, we're dealing with mainly sellers, right? People that want to sell properties. Uh, I think they're really open if you just apologize and say, Hey, I blew it. And almost take an approach like, um, you know, you can fire me if you want. You can <laughs> never, if, if you never want to see me again, you won't hurt my feelings. Like take that approach and almost like throw yourself under the bus. And that's extreme accountability, e- extreme ownership. And that'll take you a long way. Not everyone's going to respond well to that, but I think the majority of reasonable people will respond favorably to that. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to like the tangible aspects of leaving your job. So what advice would you give to people who have things going on? You know, they have kids, a marriage, a job, but they want to get into real estate. Yeah. So, yeah. So when we started, right, we didn't have, we had jobs, you know, we ended up buying a house and then we had kids. And so we had all that stuff going on um, when we left our day jobs. And there's, so the tendency well, I, I hear a lot, I hear it a lot. I mean, I used to say the same thing and I, I hear people say, well, my, my health insurance, it's just an expense, you know? So, so our family of four, I mean, health insurance, $1,400 a month or something like that. So that's yeah, a lot of money, but you know, as, as Robert Kiyosaki and, and many other, you know, people say, you know, figure out how to buy assets to pay for your liabilities. Well, you know, uh, health insurance is an ex- monthly expense. You need to pay it every month if you, if you want health insurance. And so I just figured out, you know, I had to have a deal or a couple deals that pay for that, that monthly expense. And, and so start thinking in your life, start thinking about your life in those terms. So, you know, maybe it's, is it college tuition or private school or a car expense or vacations and, you know, line up everything that you want out of life. Start thinking about those things so you can kind of like look forward and say, okay, my monthly outflow is, call it, you know, is it 3000 a month, 10,000 a month, 20,000, whatever that is. And then you've got an end in sight in terms of, you know, income that you need to have and work backwards from it. But, you know, part of that is, so you're going to have to get really good at goal setting and looking at, so sometimes people say, well, man, it must be nice to leave your day job and, you know, and I can never do that. But, you know, you start, if you start doing deals and maybe it's buying a couple, a single family home a year. And if that single family home gives you, I don't know, call it $5,000 a year of uh, annual income, then you need 20 of those if you want to make 100000 a year. And But as you start doing that, your goals change and, and you start figuring out new and better ways of doing things. And so you might say, well, it's going to take me 20 years to leave my day job if I buy a single family home a year. But life is going to happen. Different things. You're going to grow and you're going to say, okay, I bought three single family homes. Now I'm going to buy a triplex or I'm going to buy a quad or I'm going to get involved and buy a hundred unit, you know, a hundred unit community, whatever it is. So create that goal and know that you're going to have, you're going to rewrite those goals and you're going to rewrite that path, that roadmap to get there a hundred times. And so um, I, I think that 
you know, you want to be bold and you want to challenge yourself. And, and so if it's realistic, leave your day job in, in 10 years, shrink that time frame. You know, shrink it down to eight, seven, five, three, whatever, whatever that is, and, and start getting around other people that have done it. So, you know, is there a local meetup of, of other entrepreneurs, you know, if, if real estate investment, that's our thing, but you know, maybe, maybe somebody's into, you know, social media or some other avenue of make, making money, whether it's an online meetup with people around the country, that's important because you get other perspectives so when, when you're just solely talking to people that are in your own home area. You know, you might have one way of looking at things. You, you talk to somebody a hundred miles up the road, you know, they may have a totally different strategy that you can employ that, um, that works. So you know, talking to people, you know, getting out of your comfort zone, building that friends list and, uh, just being able to kind of put the wheels in motion. You know, it doesn't happen overnight, but when you look back at it and say, Oh, Hey, it took me 10 years to leave my day job. That's, that's nothing. You know, it's a long time, but it's, you know, um, but you got out of the rat race. So just. You got to, you just got to put it into motion and, and put it into motion and get your family on board too. Because, you know, if you have sometimes, I mean, one spouse may lead the way and the other one's like, yeah, I don't like this. I like the safety of a job and, and, and they, they don't know it. But when you start investing and you can start showing them the benefits of, of that path, that significant other. And if you don't have a significant other, maybe it's a family member or a friend, but, but, you know, get people cheering you on, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, even with your kids, I mean, I mean, teenagers and younger, they don't often make up their minds about what they want. But if you show them, you know, hey, this is this is the this is the path. This is what we're doing. This is why I'm doing this. Um, they're going to buy into it, and they're going to be your, you know, they're going to be your support system. So when you have a really crappy day at work, you know, they're there to hear you out and help pump you up. And so I, I think that's really important too, is, is to sell them on the vision. Yeah, and one tangible way to do that is. If you're trying to get your significant other on board or a family member, I would add, don't just say, hey, I want to get into real estate. Talk about how it has worked for other people. Like in my scenario, if I was trying to convince my significant other, um, lucky for me, she's already well convinced. (laughs) Um, But if I was trying to do that from scratch, I'd talk to her about people like you who started 20 years ago with a duplex and now have hundreds of units. And so just get install the vision in their mind will go a long way. What strategy or approach to real estate investing do you recommend to someone wanting to quit their job within a year? I know that's a bold claim and we've been talking about 10 years, but let's say you have that person who really, they don't like their job at all. And assuming their salary is not six figures plus, like it's more easy to replace. What's that strategy that you recommend? Yeah, I I would say, well, real estate has so many strategies, right? And, And I think that we do a little bit of everything. But I think what I've seen be successful for most is if you really just say, my job stinks, I got to get out of here. It's a toxic environment. And just, I would say flipping and wholesaling because the checks can be really big, right? Like you can, you can wholesale a deal and you know, make a six figure check. It can be bigger than what you're making at your day job right now. Uh, you, you know, and, and you can flip a house and make 10,000 or a hundred thousand dollars. And so, and they may say, well, I don't have any money, but you know, I, I can't do that, but they can, Anybody listening that thinks that way, you should go on, you know, hundreds or thousands of videos on YouTube that tell you why that thinking is wrong. There's a million books that tell you why that thinking is wrong because all you need is one rich dad, you know, a rich uncle or whoever it is to, that has money to invest that will take a chance on you to, you know, that'll, that'll help you fund that flip. You know, that'll say, Hey, I've got a hundred thousand dollars. I'll lend it to you as, you know, in turn in hard money because they want a return on their investment. They want to invest in real estate, but they don't want to deal with all this other stuff. So if you can be, if you can learn enough to be effective at flipping a house or wholesaling deals, you can replace your income really quickly. You can certainly do that through buy and hold, um, but you're going to need capital to do that. You can do the same strategy with, you know, with, with an investor or two or, or many more. Uh, syndication offers the same thing. I, I would say that with syndication, a lot of that's a definitely the sexy thing right now. And a lot of people want to get into syndication to leave their day job. And if that really draws you, I would say do that, but you should also flip and wholesale just to build up your capital, you know, just to get the experience and get that income coming in. Syndication, you know, does provide some nice income through, you know, you know, through dividends, through fees, through other, through other things. But um, the challenges you'll face early on is that, you know, you might have a deal, but getting the loan, you're going to need somebody to sign on the loan. You're going to need somebody to to help um, add credibility to the deal. 
So that could be a challenge and may take a little longer to set that up. Once you set it up, syndication can be a, a great vehicle for replacing day job income. So that's a very long answer to say, start with those things that can give you the big checks, like, you know, wholesaling, flipping, but that's still work. So you're still working for that money. But when you, you know, you set up a, a multifamily, whether it's something you own yourself or something larger where it's a syndication, that stuff is still work a little bit more passive, but. Um, that that would be my two cents if, if somebody's looking to leave their job like like right now. Yeah, I support that answer 100. Um, percent We are honored to be in a industry where you can make big checks pretty early in your career. I mean, trying to sell a five dollar widget on Amazon is probably. I mean, yeah, more people will buy that, but you will just make five dollars a pop. Versus um, the checks in real estate can be very handsome, <laughs> um, and and. Especially if you're in a kind of a lower salary, maybe like under a hundred thousand or even under like sixty thousand, kind of the average US salary, it may only take you four or five deals a year to get there. So then kind of don't quit your job, but back into how much marketing do I need to do to get four to five deals a year? Then you can, you know, easily uh map out your plan of success there. And I I mean Twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollar wholesale fees are not out of the question. Um, I've gotten those before, um, and also like flipping that can be good. Like you said, uh, may, you have to take on the renovation and you have to um, you have to fund it. So yeah. I support wholesaling hundred percent. I I don't do much flipping, but I I love the wholesaling model for somebody who wants to quit their job in less than a year. What about that person who? can kind of tolerate their job and they want to do more passive things. Uh, what about a person who wants to quit in five years? What do you sure. recommend for them? So, yeah. Yeah. I think if somebody wants to quit in five years, you know, I, I think one, one thing might be um, you got to take stock of what your lifestyle is and what your monthly expenses are. So you do have to take ownership of what's my monthly outflow. If it's 5,000 a month and then, you know, you want to go beyond that. So you just figure out what you need to live on. And you want to, you're going to have to back into that number. So if they like their job and they don't really want to leave, but they're figuring out a, a way to retire. So I have a, um, I have a business partner on some deals who's a surgeon and he's nearing retirement age and his, um, so he's got a monthly or annual number that he needs. And, and we kind of walk through because he, he never, a lot of times people just think, Hey, I need to retire with a certain number. They don't really know how that number, you know, whether it's a million or five million or ten million or whatever it is, they don't know how that's going to provide their and generate their their monthly income. And I said to him that, um, said, hey, look, you know, your monthly income that you receive from these investments, you're already there with what you want, what what you need to to live on. So, so the rest is just gravy, man. And so I think people need to think through, like, so if I like my job. And don't really want to be active. I, I mean, I would I would recommend passive investing. And so, you know, finding people to invest with. You know, that could be guys like us. It could be you know somebody else that you know a friend of theirs that's into real estate, or you know, you know they can anybody that that uh, they know and trust, and they trust the team that that person and the experience level that that, that person has. Um, you know, they can they can invest twenty five, fifty, hundred thousand dollars at a time. You know, there's going to be sacrifice, whether that's cash they have sitting on the sidelines. Or using you know retirement funds and converting that into a self-directed IRA or self-directed 401k, saying hey I'm going to take these funds and create passive retirement income through you know investing in other people's deals, um, and, and then they may figure out that you know there's maybe there's another path maybe they want to be involved in the active side of the business. Um, I had a call today with a one of my investors has a friend who um, you know we, we just wanted to get to you know know each other and he was talking about how he loves his job, realized that he doesn't want anything to do with the day-to-day. And he said, I have, and he told me a number, he said, I'm going to have X amount of dollars to invest per year. Um, and these are the types of deals that I'm looking at. And, and he's, his logic was that, hey, I can work another 10, 15 years. And by that time, if I do, if I invest $100,000 a year, let's say, and I'm getting 8% cash on cash returns, then that's $80,000 a year of, of income. And, you know, that's maybe above and beyond anything else he has going on. So that's, that's what I would recommend is just figuring out a pass, a way to be a passive investor. And that also could be, you know, if it's not a syndication, it could be a hard money lender, you know, finding that, you know, marrying that person who loves their day job or tolerates their day job with the person who doesn't. And that person saying, well, hey, I, I, I can lend you a hundred thousand dollars or two hundred thousand dollars at a time. And just they're getting income 
lending it to that person that's that's doing the flipping or, or doing the syndication and and they they are able to recycle their money and and grow it in a, in a way that help how's helping somebody else as well so being open to different strategies and scenarios in this business i think can help anybody that wants to to grow wealth whether they want to leave their job or not yeah leverage the people in your circle and the people you meet because a lot of people like you said they're totally fine with their jobs and they make great healthy incomes and then um they can come come alongside you as a, a lender or as a, a partner uh, in whatever capacity you need. Sure. Um, so just don't, don't think that everyone's like against you in this effort to, for you to build wealth. Um, and cause I, I think as we talk about like financial freedom and, and building wealth, we can think that other people are like, they're mad at us for trying to get into this, but yeah. really, I mean, if somebody's upset or been out of shape about that, then that's on them because um, I'm here to revitalize communities, build wealth for my family and future generations. So I don't see how anybody could be mad about that. Exactly. I think in real estate, we have a unique uh, value proposition in that way. We're helping give housing to countless people, revitalize communities and build wealth for future generations. Exactly. Um, well said, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So how can how do you plan out your day at now that you're full time? Like, how do you plan that out tangibly? I want to give people some takeaways here at the end. Um, do you use a specific app or you, do you do time blocking to make sure that you're on task? Because I can imagine when you left your job, it was probably hard to stay on task because you didn't have somebody over your shoulder or keeping you accountable, right? I was really slow to adopt um, technology. And so I, I simply use my, my iPhone calendar, but you got to hear me out here. I mean, we, you know, my wife got me on board with having a family calendar. So if I'm, you know, on your podcast, I have that in the calendar, you know, and I put everything in the calendar because, um, and whether it's, you know, a call with an investor, I'm touring a property, you name it. Um, you know, we're balancing, you know, two teenage kids, sports schedules, school schedules, all these things. Um, but you know, I, I usually sit down and this was a habit I got into early on in my sales career 20 years ago was I'll plan out my week. So I look at my calendar, I see what's in the calendar and um, you know, I'll, I'll set new appointments and I, I have certain non-negotiables in my schedule. So, you know, I, tr I try to make sure that, that I do some physical exercise every day. So that's different for everybody. You know, some people like the mountain bike, some people run, you know, swim, whatever, lift weights, CrossFit. But I think it's important to have, to take care of your health. You know, you can work so hard and chase the dollar and, and do all these things and be so out of, like, so successful financially. But if your health is suffering, you know, who cares? If you're dead, who cares, right? Like, you know, the, the government will take a piece and your family will take a piece and, and you're not going to be around to enjoy anything. So, so you need to take care of yourself. And, and so for me, that's such a, such an important piece. So I enjoy time that I have to work on myself and, like nobody really, you know, will bother me. I mean, I have my phone with me and if I pay attention to emails or, you know, so I'm not fully engaged in my workout, but if I'm running and I see, you know, a, a text message pop up, I mean, whatever, I, at least I know what's going on and I, I know what I have to deal with after my workout, but I try to make that a very important piece of, of my week, you know, of my week. So, you know, five days without fail, um, even when we we're on vacation, I used to never do it, but I, I try to make sure I was still doing something physically active. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll book in my, um, you know, uh, business appointments. I have everything in my calendar. I just plan out like, um, but the best plans can sometimes get disrupted. So, you know, you, you get involved in a deal and I have a number of deals going on right now. My schedule can get very hairy, but I try to make sure I put everything in the calendar. So, you know, again, I, today I had a number of calls. I, I so it just, that helps me with being organized. And, and then I've learned to delegate because there was times where every hour, every half hour, of, you know, for 15 hours of the day would, would be accounted for. And you're going to burn yourself out really quickly. So my non-negotiable is taking care of myself every day. Things can go sideways completely, you know, and, and at least I've taken care of myself you know, throughout the day. But, um, you know, I have a rhythm and a routine of, of trying to make sure that I'm um, spending time, you know, reviewing, you know, working with like the key players in my business. So. Um, you know, the heads of various departments, um, you know, my business partners, things like that. So we have, you know, whether it's a weekly, monthly routine. So those, those get built in the calendar too. So I know some flexibility in my schedule, but, but not a ton of it. And so 
I make sure I build the things in that I, that I want to do that I need to do uh, for the business. And if I don't have time to do something, I, you know, you have to self-reflect and say, well, what's really important. You know, and if I'm, if my schedule is getting stretched so thin, then I really need to start delegating things out properly. So. Yeah. A previous guest on the show, Daniel Holmland, he said uh, he puts on his, on a piece of paper at the beginning of the week, this week is a success if X. And I've started to implement that and I achieved what uh, I I needed to do this week. It's a Friday and I achieved that. So it's it's been a good week. <laughs> I can call it a good week because I achieved that. <laughs> yeah. That's a small win. And that's what keeps you going too, right? Yes. Like, keeps you going. Said, now, this week I, you know, made $10 million. Well, you're not a failure if you didn't make 10, you know, $10 million. You have to set up those little, those little wins to get to the end yep. goal. Mm-hmm. Well, great. It's been a great conversation. I have three last uh, parting questions uh, that I ask each guest. The first one is, what's the app, tool, or resource that's been the biggest game changer for your business? Sure. I think the biggest game changer for me has been um, being part of different mastermind groups. Mm-hmm. So it's just you know such a motivator. And, and so two things to that. So one was a real estate related mastermind. And the other one is not, it's a business related masterminds because I want outside perspective and outside counsel, you know, so somebody who's flying high in their career, you know, maybe as an attorney or owns a cleaning company or, you know, as a financial planner, there's different disciplines and different things that can help impact your business. So to me, masterminds are always important and they don't have to be paid. They can be, can be a group of friends that you get together for dinner once a month. So that to me, hands down, if you really want hyper growth or even just setting up a better business, you don't want to grow. You just want to create a better business. That's that, that would be my only recommendation. Yeah. And I would add, don't shy away from the paid masterminds because if you're thinking that way, you don't want to pay for it, then you're really in the wrong mindset. I mean, obviously if it's a hundred thousand dollar a year mastermind and you're making zero, yeah, but you know, if it's a thousand bucks a month or $500 a month, and you're really thinking like, is this worth it? Your mind is probably not in the right place because the people in that group would probably say it's, it's made them tenfold, 20 fold on their investment. Yeah. To that real quick. I know, I know we're running out of time, but I have a paid mastermind um, that that I'm part of. And last summer, right around this time, talking about, uh, I was moving into a new market or considering it. I, at that time, I'd never invested outside of, outside of my market. Everybody in my mastermind does, um, but I mentioned the market and and uh, said, hey, I'm, I looked at the properties. I think I'm going to do this. And, and uh, a friend of mine in the group texted me privately while I was talking and said, hey, don't talk to anybody else. If you move forward with that deal, I'll raise all the money for the deal. And in my mind, that was my mental block was just doing it. I mean, we've syndicated before and I raised money, but it was a larger deal. He He, he made it so easy on me that now we've, we've partnered on a number of deals together in the last year. And like, and we've made a ton, a ton of money together in a short amount of time. So, so really like I've paid for that mass, that, that mastermind membership over and over and over again, just from that one association, let alone um, all of the other associations that we've made through that. So, so yeah, the paid masterminds are, are definitely worth it, but you have to get over that, that fear of writing a big check. So, yeah. Return on education is way more valuable than a duplex or whatever. And return on relationships can go even way farther than that. Absolutely. What's been your biggest failure in the last year and why do you think that happened? That's a tough question because I, I don't, um, like the last year has probably been the best year of my life, man. I mean, everything, but, and I, I, I would say the failure, if, if I'd say there was one was, not acting on these things sooner. So I, I, um, I invested in a life coach and I thought about that for 10 years. I mean, I'm part of masterminds and, and things like that, but this is very intensive. Like once a week, it's a set date every week. And, and she challenges me in a way that, you know, that you don't really get in a mastermind, you know, because it's, it's like deep, like mental and emotional stuff. And, and, you know, you talk about your problems, but it's helped me in every aspect of my life. Like, my health, my business, my relationships. I just wish I would have done that way sooner. You know, I mean, I think the pandemic was hard on, on everybody in, in a lot of different ways, but I felt like, you know, so many people have grown so much more out of that. So this past year has been, been great in, in a lot of ways for us. So, so for me, that the hardest thing has just been being able to find employees. You know, it, it, I think a lot of businesses, a lot of different industries, it's been a 
been a big challenge the last year. So that's, that's certainly hit us in a, in a, in a few different ways. But, um, but for me, it was more just like some regret of not taking action in certain areas of my life sooner. And, and by doing that, I mean, it improved my business tenfold, my, my marriage tenfold, my friendships tenfold, just, you know, my peace of mind tenfold. So if you're struggling with childhood like stuff, you know, like as a parent, you know, we, we, we don't necessarily know how we screw up our kids and our parents probably never intended to how they screw us up. But, you know, whether it's a therapist or a life coach or something like that, I mean, it, it takes a moment to sort of humble yourself and say, you know what, like, I just need to work on myself in a totally different way. It's been transformational for me. Yeah, we constantly as entrepreneurs work on our business acumen and our negotiating skills and what have you. But I don't think we slow down to realize like some deep rooted beliefs or maybe some deep rooted pain or trauma that we've had in our past. So maybe a life coach is for us or just a counseling session here or there to get to flush out those negative things that we've dealt with in the past. Um, question three, our podcast is all about helping others achieve freedom with real estate investing, whether that's financial lifestyle or otherwise. So what does freedom mean to you? Freedom for me is, is being able to do, to live life on my own terms. I'm just doing what I want when I want and choosing to do, um, just choosing to do the things I want. And so it's as simple as that. Yeah. Good, straightforward answer. That's what I hear a lot. And it's no surprise because that's what real estate can do quickly for you if you take it seriously and start early um, and invest wisely. Great. Well, it's been an awesome uh, experience with you, Jason. Where can listeners learn more about you? What do you want them to do from here? Sure. If anybody wants to reach out to me, you can hit me up on email uh, if you want to put it in the show notes. Or, But it's it's just my name, Jason Perro at yahoo.com. Um, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Um, you know, if anybody's trying to figure out how to, you know, leave their day job or has like a real estate question. I mean, I'm very approachable. Just, uh, I have a Calendly link. Uh, so it's Calendly forward slash Jason Perro, you know, book 15, 20 minutes with me and we can just chat real estate. I mean, I, people reach out all the time and, and, uh, happy to, happy to help in any way that I can, because there's a lot of people that helped me along the way. And I feel it's very important to, to give back and be there for those that want to make something of themselves in this business. Well, certainly. And I can tell you're just very giving with your knowledge and your time. So thank you again. You have a good rest of your day. You as well. Great talking with you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Investing for Freedom podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review and tune in next week for the next episode.